In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. The Girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Patty's mother was murdered, and Lisa lost her mother to cancer. This forged a bond between them that nothing could shake. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. Are you listening to what is going on around you? Well, that all depends. I have selective hearing because I have three kids. We're Pat. Well, welcome to Girlfriend It, a great place to connect and girlfriendify your life. As you can tell, um, not only am I, I not listening, but I'm having a hard time getting the words out. <laughs> I think you need some more caffeine this morning. <laughs> well, we're Patty and Lisa, and our show today is about listening to what is going on around you and speaking up, using your own voice. Well, speaking of listening to what is going on around you, we just had a really kind of unusual experience. Last Thursday, we got on a plane heading to Seattle, and we found ourselves sitting on the very back row, which I don't remember the last time we've sat on a back row. But it was an interesting dynamic because, um, first of all, we sat there on the tarmac for an hour because the flight was delayed. And then when the, by the time the pilot came on and told us why, it was because the um, flight attendant's jump seat behind us was broken. And so I am not understanding all this dynamics because I'm just, I'm just a passenger clueless to life, just sitting back there enjoying my conversation with you and, you know, just laughing like we always do. Of course you were enjoying your conversation. I was. <laughs> oh, whatever. <laughs> you, you had me there for a minute. But what was interesting about the flight is because you were a former flight attendant in your other life before you met me, and you were a trainer with the airline, so you knew exactly what was going on. You know what, you, like you hear all these sounds on a plane, the, the dinging and the cross-check and all that kind of stuff, and to us, like, commoners, we don't know what that means, but you know exactly what all those little clicks and sounds and things mean. So anyway, it was interesting watching you because you're, you were literally responding to things. And, um, okay, you I like this story. It's all I, about me. It's all about you. But what was significant <laughs> is so they get on, they tell the jump seat, so then you immediately turn to me because you're sitting against the window, I'm Twinkie, this guy on the aisle next to me has his iPod, he is, like, relaxed and ready for the flight. And you casually say, when they make the announcement that they're going to have to change the jumps that you go, okay, what this means is two passengers, which was a packed flight, are going to have to get off this plane because the two flight attendants are going to have to sit on these two end aisles right next to me, which means the guy next to me that is settled in for his long winter's okay, nap ran- is leaving. random thought because he was so settled in. And he had headphones on, those, like, really expensive headphones oh, yeah. that you can't hear a single sound. Yes. And he was chomping his gum and blowing these bubbles and smacking it, it like someone was clapping in the airplane. And he had it no was, clue how loud it was. It was we were so laughing. loud. Yes. So he finally takes his headphone off, and he looks at us. He goes, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> so what you start telling, because you know what's going on, and I'm clueless what's going on. And so sure enough, they, they deplane de- or whatever, two people, 
And then the flight attendant comes and tells this guy in the aisle next to me and the, and the lady what is going to happen. They're like, has anybody explained it to you? And, of course, I said, well, my friend has because <laughs> she knows about this. So it's so funny because you were kind of like, you know, the translator here. So sure enough, those two guys leave. And so then we're sitting there as they're doing whatever they do to get ready for the plane, and we hear this horrendous noise coming from the galley, which is just on the other side of the wall from us because, as I mentioned, we are on the back row. <laughs> and, um, and you heard this flight attendant scream, and so I looked at you like, what was that? And you immediately knew what that which click drop sound meant because I thought she just dropped like a tray in the back. Right. Well, it was amazing because what had happened which by the time you looked at me, I already had my seatbelt off. You had your seatbelt off. You were ready to bolt out of that seat, and I didn't, I'm like, and everybody in front of us has just settled down very calm and cool in their seats. What had happened is she had the tape across the window telling all the people from the outside, do not use these doors. Our plane is ready to go. The slide is armed. So if someone from the exterior sees that that tape is across, they know don't open those doors. But this maintenance guy, for whatever reason, was oblivious and started to open the door. And well, he rolled his little, his little stairs back up to the door, and he started to open it, at which time, luckily, the flight attendant was right there. She grabbed it, and that's the sound we heard. That's the sound we and heard. And I, I thought it was a tray dropping. You immediately knew what it was. And um, so what was, it was funny about that is because you started explaining the significance and how serious that was, that if, in fact, he would have succeeded in opening that door, the, the slide would have gone off, which would have catapulted him 15 feet yeah. down, which he probably would have lost his life, but especially definitely his job. His job. <laughs> and, um, and we would have all had to get off that plane because once the, the slide has been inflated, um, yes, then we all have to get off. So it would have been just catastrophic on so many different levels. But what was funny was, is so then finally, like 15 minutes later, the flight attendants come and sit down, and, and um, I now am aware of this because you have enlightened me to what's going on, the significance. But what's funny was because one gal in the back row turned around to the flight attendant and goes, are you guys okay? And she goes, I'm fine. I'm fine, thank you, which is what we always say, no matter what, if we're fine or not, we always say I'm fine. We put on our face. We put on our face. So she and the, and the flight attendant come and sit down next to us, and we and we kind of look at her, and she's and she's like, fine, thank you. And so I said, I just want you to know that my friend was a flight attendant, so kind of know what happened back there. And immediately, then you said, your heart has got to be racing right now. And that's when she finally broke down and was like, okay, I am shaking. I just about had a heart attack. That hasn't happened to me ever in 26 years of flying. That. My slide almost inflated. So then it was great conversation, but all that, that was a very long, long, detailed story. But all that is to say that we really do um, need to be listening and use well, our life experience. Well, maybe because you were ready to, to jump out of your seat. The flight attendant really, and she said in 27 years that's never happened. It was really serious and significant. And as you look forward in the flight, everybody in front of you is in their own little world just doing life clueless to really the danger that was just around us, which really got you thinking and going, how many times in life is there so much going on that we are not really seeing or listening? We're oblivious. We're it. oblivious to it, and we're in our own little world just doing life. And so that was significant marker, which as we went on and we went to Seattle, we got to go to Bainbridge Island, which was Beautiful. amazing with mm. a bunch of girlfriends up there. And we were speaking for a retreat, and, and the – the topic of the retreat we were doing was called Uniquely You, Your Sacred Story. And we had no idea that when we, when we got there, how, how um, kind of intense that was going to be. Because what it was was, 
as we were speaking, and then um, Angie, the, the gal, had put together this incredible book. So between the book and, and the words, people were really, some things were coming out. They were listening to their life. Yeah, and that is such a good point because so many times we live through life, but we're not really listening to what's, what's going on. And we, we never really want to break down um, our life experience to see how we can move forward and how we can help others out who, who don't have a voice. And like you said, just even in that, that simple illustration of being on the plane and you look up and, and you see that, what, 124 passengers are completely oblivious to what's going on, we live our life that way, just kind of focused in our own little world and where our destination is rather yes. than focusing on other people that are around us. And maybe their destination is very complicated, and we could be there to help out. We could be there even to, to give them a voice. And we are going to um, really unpack that today. We have some significant guests on the show. But we, before we go into our guests, we have to share a little bit about what we learned um, this weekend. It's funny because we just shared what happened going on the flight towards Seattle. And then coming home from Seattle, we went ahead and looked at our own um, life Well, what was funny because we, we did some activities with the gals. And before we went, we like, okay, we need to experience this before we share it and speak, you know. So we coming from – and so you said, okay, let's do a timeline of our lives. And I'm getting real here because it was so funny because when, when we said let's draw the timeline of our lives, we were at two different locations. You, your interpretation was I'm literally going to draw pictures of the timeline of my life. Yes, very nonlinear the way I think. <laughs> well, and I literally drew a line and with lines going up with the timelines of my life. And so it was interesting just how we both perceived that and right. how we Even though we were the ones it. giving the directions. Yes. <laughs> So then we asked, we asked the, the women there to do a timeline of their lives, the significant mile markers in their lives that just kind of stand out, that help define them. Because we were talking about how you combine your personality, how you're uniquely wired in that, your life experiences, and then kind of your giftedness, how you put all that together. And that really is your sacred story to go have an impact on this Exactly. World. And you and me are so passionate about, we love to use the word advocate, which is going to be significant with our guests coming up, um, because Every woman and every person needs an advocate, somebody that will have their back, that will speak for them and, and be a voice for them. Sometimes, cause sometimes we do lose our own voices and we can't speak up. And so this, just even this past weekend, realizing that, that some of these women were, were dealing with some hurts that were deep to their core that even went back to childhood and whatever and going, okay, I've never been able to voice this yes. before. And I really need to listen. And, well, it's interesting because even yours, your timeline, you had your marriage, then you had the birth of your children, and then you had the death of your mom, and then the birth of our organization, which I, of course, mocked you relentlessly that this I was must your say timeline. over and over again. <laughs> over again. <laughs> and I had really abstract things like throw up on one and a trophy. And, uh, you know, I did have a gun because of, of my mom's murder, which we're going to talk a little bit more about that later on today. But those were significant markers in um, our, our world. But I really had to question you on how much you really are listening uh, to your own life. Yes. And we really, we really dove, dove into that to go, okay. You made me sit there. You had me captivated, seat belted in my seat, and you made me do that. You made me go, okay, let's dissect why you didn't go 
where you, you didn't start back before getting married. And so you did really mock me. You made me go into and listen to the story of my life, which was a little painful. And what we realized is sometimes when you find out this stuff, you've got to do something. And that's the whole thing. You can listen and you can hear the things. You can hear about the danger. You can hear about the injustices and you can hear about all that. But it's no good if you don't do something. And so we really want to stir people today to, to, as they listen to our, our guests to go, okay, I need to do something about it too. I just can't sit here and go, well, that's too bad for them because we all are a part of life together. And what one of us does, there is ripple effects in life. So we want you to stay with us and think about your own life and we'll be right back. This is Girlfriended on Togginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. Get ready for the Not-So-Sucker Mom Tuesday afternoons at 1 Eastern, noon Central on Toginat with Jill Hickey. You name it, from politics to pop culture to Jill's search for the perfect bronzer and chicken salad. The Not-So-Sucker Mom will weigh in on it all. The sentence, I have no opinion about that, is one that Jill has never uttered. In the early 90s, Jill finally decided to put her thoughts, opinions, mom advice, love of pop culture, hummus, and Starbucks, working out, cosmetic shopping, and politics into an actual website and thus Not-So-Sucker-Mom.com. Tom was born. Shortly after her fourth child, a boy, Jerome, now she's really got tons of topics to share with you. This is Laugh Out Loud Funny, and we're not kidding. What's a loud Nebraska girl who lived in Little Rock for many years and now is up in the Northeast doing, chronicling her opinions on everything? The wheels aren't off yet, but it's close. It's the Not-So-Soccer Bomb with Jill Hickey, Tuesday afternoons at 1 Eastern, noon Central on toginet.com. Join us for Self-Aid Success Stories with Helen Wu. Wednesday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. Helen Wu was born and raised in San Francisco's Chinatown. And after a very difficult upbringing, fighting depression, abuse, and addictions, she finally finds herself genuinely happy inside and out. Helen believes in taking our positive thinking and doing something positive to achieve a positive outcome. She's here to make a positive difference in your life, to be your game changer, your aha moment mentor. She's ready to help both men and women get into a better place. Helen Wu is also the author of Self-Aid Success Stories, 25 Success Stories from Successful Entrepreneurs. Inspired by Ellen DeGeneres, Helen wants the world to know that just because we find ourselves in a difficult situation doesn't mean we have to stay there. We can aid ourselves to a better life. So join us for Self-Aid Success Stories with Helen Wu. Wednesday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, our next guest, Steve Twist, is one of my personal heroes. Steve's work is not only on the state level, but also on the national level. 
And he just continues to listen to the needs of victims, and he, he has really made a huge impact in this world. And I know that he has not only touched my life as well as my family's, but he is continually um, just doing significant things for others who don't have a voice. And I, I know I've, I've shared a lot with you, Lisa, about what Steve has done, just even for my father and for my family. But he just, I've seen him just fight relentlessly. Um, when no one else wanted to put the gloves on, basically, yeah. mm-hmm. he has just shown up again and again and again, and he doesn't take a no. And, and I love people like that where they just truly, they don't let that no um, stand in, in their way. And, and they don't let that no keep him down because he really is for the, the cries of the innocent. And not only does he listen to those cries, but he takes it all the way to Washington. He yeah. doesn't just let it stay at the state level, which is so cool. Um, when you see people who work that way. And he works uh, with individuals um, in the judicial system. And I honestly believe without people like Steve Twist that our judicial system would be so off balance. And it, the, the list goes on and on and on. I could just, just rave about all the things that Steve has done because he has worked in promoting victims' rights for more than 30 years. Uh, he has his Juris Doctorate of Law from ASU, um, so we're going to have to behave ourselves. And try to, try to be on an <laughs> and talk intelligently, yes, which yes, might be a yes. threat. But he is the co-author of, a, of the book Victims and Criminal Procedure. And um, beyond serving on national boards and teaching at colleges, he creates bills and, and um, serves the public. Well, the list goes on. And so we are so honored to have Steve Twist on our show today. And Steve, once again, you are going to bring such class to our show. So we so appreciate you being on. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Well, thank you both so much. I'm uh, I'm so excited to be able to spend some time with you and and talk about uh, victims' rights and and uh, share uh, some views with all your listeners. Well, I know last month they just had the the Victims' Rights Week, and you do so much, even um, like I said, just even on the the state level as well. But tell us a little bit about um, what made you so passionate to go into this field. You know, it's been a, a long journey uh, for me. Um, I first uh, was introduced to uh, the struggle for crime victims' rights by a man, Frank Carrington, who had established an organization called Americans for Effective Law Enforcement, and um, he really became the the father, if you will, of the victims' rights movement in our country. Um, He served for President Reagan on the President's Task Force on Victims of Crime um, in the first uh, Reagan uh, term. Um, But even before that, um, Frank and I collaborated together. When I was a young lawyer working for the Navajo tribe living up in Window Rock, Frank and I wrote a resolution for the Navajo Tribal Council um, that established the uh, Navajo Victims' Rights Administration, um, the uh, first ever acknowledgement by a government in North America of the rights of crime victims. Hmm. And see, that, but, that's what's so, so neat about what you do. And I, and I know just in, um, in reading some of the material that you've done, you, you are such an advocate of really taking that stance and to not be timid and I love that. Not not only when you're you're fighting, you know, for the innocent, but just for people in life to to be bold and to move forward in what you believe in. And one of the the comments that you made 
um, was that when you're in the courtroom and you're representing crime victims, you, you get to the point where you need to say, Your Honor, you can't do this. And so many times we have a tendency to, to just go, okay, we have to, we have to just listen to what and accept it and accept it, what authority is telling us. And if it's not right and if there is that injustice being done, then we do need to keep going forward. And that's, that's really neat with what you did with the reservation. That's, that's exciting. And what are you working on right now? Well, um, I, you know, we're, we continue to fight for a federal constitutional amendment for the rights of crime victims. Um, uh, and it, and it's, it's inspired uh, not so much by the arguments of the lawyers or the legal scholars or the, the professional advocates, uh, but much more by just the power of the personal stories that, that victims um, bring uh, about the endurance uh, that they have and the challenges that they face in the criminal justice system. I mean, it, it, for me, that through the course of the years when I was a prosecutor and, and uh, throughout my work with crime victims' rights organizations, the uh, National Organization of Parents of Murdered Children and National Organization for Victim Assistance. I've, I've, I've had the honor of meeting hundreds and hundreds of, of crime victims whose stories of courage have inspired me, um, and and uh, whose stories of challenge in the criminal justice system um, have really angered me. Frankly, uh, most Americans are shocked to find out that that. If they're the victim of a crime, or if their child is murdered, or their parent or loved one is murdered, um, there are many places in our country where they, th- those people don't even have a right to notice of the proceedings in the case. They, they don't have a right to be present. Um, they don't have a right to be heard at critical stages. Um, and, and this is from a system that is supposed to seek justice for them. So... You know, the, the stories of courage in the face of evil um, and the stories of injustice are something that we simply as Americans cannot tolerate. I mean, this is a free country. Um, we have a voice. We need to exercise it and to stand up and say, um, not anymore, not, not, in, not in our country, not, not in a place where we proclaim justice for all. Uh, will this kind of injustice be tolerated when it's um, uh, uh, given to people who um, uh, have done nothing wrong other than uh, be the victims of crime. And you know what, that is so significant, all that you're saying, because I know as watching Patty and her family when they went through that trial and um, just how significant what you are, what you're doing and what you're standing up, because I think so many times when we are a victim, we just um, accepted it and we don't think that our voice matters or that we can change anything. And can you just kind of address the significance of of each person using their voice? Because I think it is overwhelming, like <coughs> you're fighting on the, on the state level and the national level and... And you're, you're right, victims have rights and should have rights, but I think so many times we don't think uh, we can really do something to change anything, so we go silent, and, and yet, you know, things keep happening. Can you kind of address, how, do, how, can, how can one person truly make a difference? Well, um, uh, let me just uh, answer you by giving you just a little bit of, of history of how far we've come. Um, uh, when... When President Reagan established the uh, President's Task Force on Victims of Crime, and there were hearings 
1981 uh, throughout the country. Um, 1981 and 1982, and they issued a report at the end of 1982. Um, there were there were stories of injustice told all over America um, that came before the the task force, and they issued a report and they recommended 68 changes to the criminal justice system to make it more um, balanced, uh, more centered on the interests and rights of the victim. At that time, when that report came out. Um, there was not one state in our country that had comprehensive rights for crime victims. No state had a state constitutional amendment uh, for crime victims. The federal government didn't have um, uh, rights established for victims of federal crimes. Um, And since 1982, when that report came out um, to today, um, there are now 50 states that have comprehensive rights for victims. Hmm. 33 states have state constitutional amendments establishing victims' rights. And the federal government has passed a comprehensive and enforceable uh, statute for, for victims of federal crimes. Um, all of that social change, all of that change in our criminal justice system has been brought about by small groups of people who have stood up with courage um, told their stories about injustice in the criminal justice system, called on their legislators to to pass laws that make changes, and you can see the record um, mm-hmm. through the advocacy. And, and uh, like I said, it's not the power of, of the lawyer's arguments. Um, it's the power of the personal story of, of the injustice. And that's profound. Yeah, that really is because it is, and yet because when you're taking something, um, it's usually about the evidence. It's always about the facts. And so to all of a sudden have that paradigm shift to go, no, we're going to put the personal stories there because it's about people. It's not always about um, the evidence. Well, Well, I I mean... We think we can't make a difference because we don't have the education or we don't have, and we make these excuses. But like you said, it's just, it's just small groups of people coming together, using their voice and their personal stories that can really impact and change laws. Yeah, exactly. I mean, imagine the power of, of, of um, going before a member of Congress at a, at a town hall meeting, um, standing up and saying, uh, Congressman Smith, um, I want you to know in front of all of the people who are here in this meeting about how I was treated in the criminal justice system. My daughter was murdered. Um, I was not allowed to be even in the courtroom during the trial of my daughter's murderer while the murderer's parents were ushered into to front row seats um, in, the, in the courtroom. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you have got to change this. And stories like that in district after district, in state after state, with senators and congressmen, have collectively made a difference. And it's the courage of people, and I've been so inspired by the courage of people who have gone through horrific, life-shattering events. And, Patty, you're one of my my heroes for, for having endured that and, and yet had the courage to stand up and speak. Um, to go through all of that and yet and yet still be able to stand up and, and share your stories, that's what's inspiring. And that's what has changed our country, um, although uh, uh, sadly not enough. With all of that change that we've had, um, we still need more, and we can get into that. 
And hold that thought. We'll be right back after this commercial. This is Girlfriended on Togginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. Get ready to laugh along with This Little Parent Stayed Home with Ellie Lopreet. Friday evenings at 6, 5 central on Togginet.com. This is a truly realistic, no-nonsense, tell-it-like-it-is method that will have you laughing and crying surviving while struggling, and hammering away at the hardships as you travel through the greatest journey of your life. Get empowered by joining thousands of other parents who have also decided to take a leap of faith into a double career with longer hours and half the pay simply because of the love they have for their children. Together, we are rebuilding a new economy that will support us rather than enslave us. Never again will we have to choose between raising our children and earning to provide for them. It won't be easy, but it will be worth it. For more on Allie and her success, check out her website, OurMilkMoney.com. So come get empowered with This Little Parent Stayed Home with Allie Lopreet. Friday afternoons at 6, 5 Central on Toginet.com. Come be a part of Pat Sloan's Creative Talk Radio. Her goal is to inspire you to be creative every day. Pat Sloan's Creative Talk Radio, Monday afternoons at 4, 3 Central on Toginet.com. Pat lives and breathes being creative through her quilt design business, but her creativity and interests have no bounds. On her show, she'll be introducing us to guests through interviews and talks that have a creative life. We'll learn more about what goes on in the world of quilting. And since Pat, like many of us, is creative in many ways, she'll also introduce us to creative people in other crafts like knitting, crochet, paper arts, and lots more. Pat is also an author, a lecturer, designer, and cheerleader of many. She's tried her hand at making almost everything you can think of and does many crafts to keep her inspired to create. Check out her website, patsloan.com. What makes Pat most happy is to inspire others to be creative every day. So join us for Pat Sloan's Creative Talk Radio, Monday afternoons at 4, 3 Central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Welcome back. We've been talking with Steve Twist today. He is such a strong advocate for victims and just their rights. And Steve, we were, we kind of left it at uh, just taking that stance and moving forward, especially with your stories. And um, recently I was in court with a girlfriend whose daughter had been taken when she was 15 years old, and they had actually caught the pimp that had um, stolen her daughter. And it was interesting because it's just so factual. It's all about the evidence. And, you know, finally at the end of this particular proceeding, they just said, is, is the victim here or the victim's family? And she she was able to speak a little bit, but it was more just about the evidence and the facts. And so I love that you're, you're basically guiding and educating people to tell their story. That is what makes the difference. 
Well, it, it it does make a difference, and we've seen we've seen how that difference has worked out in fundamental changes in our laws um, across the country. Uh, but as I was saying, unfortunately. Uh, what we've learned with all of the change that we've brought about is that it simply is not enough. Um, we will not truly establish a fair system with justice for all, even the victim, until we change the Constitution of the United States. The defendant's rights are written into the fundamental law of our land, the U.S. Constitution, as well they should be. I mean, these are. it, it is important to have... Um, uh, these rights written so that the government doesn't become too powerful when it comes to dealing with its citizens. But by the same token, there is no fairness in our system as long as the criminal's rights are in the Constitution, but the victim's rights are not. Victims are in a lesser law, a statute or a state constitution. Until victims are enshrined with rights in the U.S. Constitution, we won't have fair balance in this country. Well, and um, we've talked a little bit, shared something about my story, and just so the listeners know um, about that story, uh, around a decade ago, my mother was murdered, and through the court systems, which you were just amazing and just giving us that information, information and letting us know how to share our story, because we did not have a voice when we went through the trial, and it was really interesting. Well, first of all, you're so raw it, your emotions are so raw, and you're going in in that such a grieving, you know, state, which it lasted, the, the trial lasted for about three years. And you're watching the defendant, and he's, he does have all these rights. For example, he needed a hearing aid, and, oh, he was sick, so they had to cancel some of the days. I mean, everything seemed to be about catering to him, catering to him which I get that. That is our system, and we do have to make sure that, that we have to prove, you know, them guilty, and we have to see them as innocent so he does have his rights. But you're right, it was so off balance because you're not even seen as a person at all. You just, there's no, you, you have no rights because you're not on trial. And so tell us a little bit about that, like what you changed even in that trial that took place. Well, um, th this was one of the um, most uh, troubling aspects, I guess, uh, of, of how much more we have to do. Um, let me just give you sort of a, a brief snapshot. Um, you'll, you'll recall that that your dad wanted to um, not only give a victim impact statement um, at the sentencing of the murderer, but wanted to, um, in that victim impact statement, wanted to make a recommendation to the jury about what the sentence should be. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, we fought for his right to do that in the trial court and lost in the Arizona Court of Appeals and lost and in the Arizona Supreme Court and lost, and we tried to go to the U.S. Supreme Court um, simply to protect his right under the Arizona Constitution to be heard at sentencing and to include in that statement a recommendation of what the sentence should be. I mean, after all, the defendant gets to recommend mm -hmm. what the sentence should be, and the defense attorney does, and the prosecutor does, and even the defendant's family members get to make statements that, that make recommendations. But the ironic thing and the tragic thing in, in 
the case of the statement that your dad wanted to make was that in this death penalty case, um, he wanted to ask the jury for life imprisonment and not the death sentence. Mm -hmm. And the courts in Arizona, um, all the way up to the Arizona Supreme Court, said for him to do that would deny to the defendant, the defendant, the murderers, Eighth Amendment rights against cruel and unusual punishment. So the system that we have is so hostile to victims' rights that even where a victim wants to ask for life imprisonment and not the death penalty, the courts say that that denies to the defendant his Eighth Amendment rights against cruel and unusual punishment. That's a world turned upside down. And, and it just goes to show that as long as victims' rights are not in the U.S. Constitution to balance the rights mm-hmm. that, are, that are there, we're not going to achieve, achieve true justice in this country. Mm-hmm. And um, I love how you articulated that and broke that down. And my dad's listening, and, and I, so I have to make comments because he can't um, say anything because he's not in the room with me. Um, <laughs> as you know, my dad, being the timid man <laughs> that he is, uh, he wasn't going to stand for that. So... I, I do want to challenge people that, that are listening to the show to do exactly what he did and not stand for that, to, to take it all the way to the end and to find an advocate that can, you know, do that with you so you can have a voice. Is there, is there something that, um, that we can do to help, you know, with this cause in our, in our court systems and in our justice system? Well, I, I, I think it's as simple as, as taking time to um, pick up the phone, uh, call your member of Congress, call your senator, um, talk to your neighbors, um, uh, bring this up in, in church and, and uh, in your community groups, um, and, and just pass the word that, that these challenges to justice still confront us, still remain in our country. And, and it, it, all it takes is, is just a simple statement about, you know, defendants have rights in the U.S. Constitution, so should their victims. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have that now. You don't have to be a, a law professor uh, to be able to make a simple statement like that, and people understand immediately, well, yeah, that doesn't seem fair. Defendants have rights in the Constitution. Why don't their victims? Right. Well, and you know what, if, if, if with anything in life that you pursue, and, and, and especially when you're trying to tackle injustices, it really is a fight. And I think that's what's so significant about what you do. You're in there fighting for people that don't know how to fight or don't have a voice to fight. And, um, and yet when you are in there fighting, it is hard work, and you get beat up. And we know, even in, on a, you know, the scale that we do life, you get beat up sometimes when you're trying to just do the right thing, and, and doing the right thing doesn't always feel good. And so just on kind of a personal level, just to encourage people, when, when, you, when you just see something, you go, I've got to do something about it. I can't sit here, um, you know, on my own bubble with my iPod earphones on and just kind of tune life out. I've got to get engaged. I've got to do something because I have this life experience. I have a voice. I see a need. I can't be timid. I can't accept things the way they are. How do I fight? And what, what, how do you persevere when, when things are kind of stacked against you? What is it in you even personally that goes, I can't quit. I've got to keep going because this matters. Can you kind of just speak to that? Because I think that affects everybody on some different level. 
Well, when when any of us hear the the cases of injustice that happen in our state, even today with all the laws that we have that protect crime victims, injustice still occurs. Um, when when we hear stories from around the country about this happening, who among us can't can't be motivated to just stand up and say, "Not in my country." Mm. Um, and and th- th- that's really what people have to have to. Um, focus on. Um, this is a free country. Um, we are not controlled by forces beyond um, our ability to change them. Um, we have a voice. Um, we need to exercise that voice. And, and history shows us that it, it will make a difference. If we stand united, it will make a difference. And that's what has to happen. We, we have to rise up as a nation and say, not anymore. And and we can do this together if if people will just exercise the simple thing of of sending an email or calling their member of Congress or calling their senator. Don't be intimidated by it. That they work for us. Wow, and that that is so true. So many times um, we forget that they work for us because we think they're just off spending their time. You know. <laughs> Uh, I don't know, campaigning, and we do have to go back to I, I can make a difference. One person does matter in in standing up for something. And that is something that when you read your material that you say over and over again, it's don't be timid and don't accept things the way that they are and the power in that voice of just one. So those are not only for um, just in fighting with um, – in the judicial system, but just in life, to really go out there and be bold. And we just want you to know just how much, and I, I've been able to watch this family and what they've been, you know, been through for the past decade and watch Patty's dad just rise up and, like you said, say no more and be a part of the solution, even in the midst of grief and, and uh, pain. And I think that's encouraging people to go that, you know, even though it's horrific and you're going through this, you can still use your voice, still make a difference. And there is power in those personal stories. And I think we forget sometimes that, like you said, you don't have to have all the accolades and degrees, but you do have a story, and you have a story that needs to be told. And um, we can all, when we unite, I like how you use the word unite, we can all unite together, even if it's just small groups and just, and, and just small groups coming together to go, okay, we can tackle this and we can do something about it and be an advocate for somebody that you see does not have their voice anymore. And, Steve, we just want to thank you so much for taking your time just to be on our show and to let your voice be heard and let us um, be encouraged to use our voice and to see a need and say, not anymore. And our listeners can find you on our girlfriended.com website and uh, see more about what you're doing and how they can get involved. And so we just thank you so much. I'm very grateful for the opportunity to be with both of you. Um, you have a, a great show, and I'm 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 really grateful. Uh, uh, thank you. Thank you. Stay with us. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. Connect with Juliana and connect with what lies beneath. 
Friday afternoons at 4, 3 central on toginet.com. Juliana is a marriage, family, and child therapist who wants people to connect. Connect with what lies beneath, those truths and answers. And through her counseling practice, she has helped others find their personal power and fulfill their dreams. And she wants to do the same for you here on Connect with Juliana. Through intimate discussions, intriguing subject matters, and the expertise of her guests. For more on the show and Juliana, check out her webpage, connectwithjulianainmedia.com. Juliana will cover it all. Nothing is off limits. She wants to know what matters to you. Make the connection. Tune into Toginet to connect with Juliana to find out the facts that could be hidden beneath the surface. Connect with Juliana on Toginet to make a quality connection in your life. Friday afternoons at 4, 3 central on toginet.com. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Be here for Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Trisha will dig deep into topics that matter most to women, inspiring women to make a change in their own lives and to make a difference in the world, and maybe even deep within their own hearts. Trisha is a wife, mom, speaker, family expert, and author of 24 books. For more information on Trisha and Living Inspired, go to her website, trishagoyer.com. That's T-R-I-C-I-A-G-O-Y-E-R.com. Trisha's vision is to be the voice of hope and possibility for women of all ages. Her intention is to serve ordinary women by encouraging extraordinary things with God's help. Trisha expresses real life, real hope for real women. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, welcome back. Today we've been talking about, are you really hearing and listening to what's going on around you? And so many times we're clueless in life to some of the stuff that's evolving around us. And uh, we've been talking today to Steve Truist, who is a victim's rights advocate and uh, doing significant things on the national and state levels and just giving victims their rights back. And uh, coming up next right now, we have Pastor Mike Chalberg, who is with Starbright Foundation, which is, um, is, is a significant foundation that is they're speaking up and giving being a voice for children who are being abused and being um, sold in sex trafficking and have lost their voice. And just having a voice for those children that are being abused, and um, it is so significant. And the stories that we have heard from you and Lori, Mike, have just been um, uh, gut-wrenching. And so we just want to welcome you to Girlfriend It, and we just want to hear about how you are using your voice, how you and Starbright Foundation are being advocates for these children. So welcome to Girlfriend It. Thank you for inviting us and allowing us to be on here to have our voice heard. <laughs> yes, exactly. Can you just kind of explain a little bit about Starbright Foundation um, and your own personal passion and, and kind of the stories behind it? Well, Starbright came about because of my prior ministries uh, over the last 17 years helping uh, survivors of severe abuse, uh, mostly adults, but I've been involved in helping uh, children and whole families throughout the United States and in other areas uh, as well. 
And over those years, I've recognized that the issues of child abuse, especially in the area of human trafficking, have only increased uh, in large numbers to the point where I contacted Lori here and some other people here in this area because this was a major area of uh, human trafficking. And we said, we got to do something because these children need to have a voice because if you think about it, children are the least heard in our society mm-hmm. and they don't have relationships, you know, like adults or people who have lived longer lives and you have like the elderly or people who are handicapped. They've, they've had relationships established in their lives, so there's a possibility of a friend or family member who sees them in a certain condition will report it to authorities or tell someone or, you know, make contact with us. Whereas with children, who do they have? You know, they don't have relationships established, and so they have no one to watch out for them. And when they are abused in a home uh, through the family or are kidnapped and taken out, they, they are always controlled by their abusers. They're kept in silence and they're threatened to the point where if they speak out or try to make contact with someone, they are beaten or tortured or or even killed. Mm -hmm. So they're silenced and someone has to speak for them and uh, make an effort to find out who they are and where they are and that's what we attempt to do for any child, whether they're, uh, it's abuse, I guess you could say normal abuse, which is like an oxymoron because there is no normal abuse, but a child in a home or a child that's uh, been kidnapped when families are threatened, you know, they are hesitant to call law enforcement because of that. And so often they will call somebody else who, who knows of us or that they'll make direct contact through email or phone and say, we have a problem. Can you help us? And, that's and so we make every – go ahead. Well, I just you, – your term oxymoron for normal abuse. Um, it is interesting as we talk to some of the, the women who are now in in their adult life looking back at their abuse when they were children – that they didn't know it was abuse because that's all they knew. And so we don't understand when we go, well, why didn't you do something about it or why didn't you call for help or why didn't you go to someone? And you really, you know, it's that paradigm shift to go, okay, but they don't know anything other than that. If this is how they were raised and this is how that they were, they were treated, they really don't know what true love is and um, that's why it's even more important to give them a voice. Yeah, so I love. Most, that, I would say that's most common in the response of the adults that I've worked with for the last seventeen, eighteen years, is them not knowing their value before the Lord first and before society. They think that they are a damaged product and that they're not worth anything. And the child picks that up very early in life that they have no uh, true value other than to be an object uh, of use by their abusers. Mm-hmm. And so when we, when we 
get them when they come to us and we begin counseling the first thing we begin to do is to establish for them that they are valued and worthy of love and what true love is what unconditional love is not what you know love is that you've learned because even the smallest child that i've counseled over the years you begin a relationship of trust and talking with them and one of the first questions they ask me is when will you do me? Mm. Because they expect that I'm going to have sex with them. If I'm going to help them in any way, even good help, they still expect that they are going to be a cause to have sex. And we let them know that's not going to happen here. That's never going to happen again if we can help that. And you know what, just hearing that just makes me cringe because no child should have to even, even, even think that way, much less experience that. And um, it just breaks my heart because, I mean, our children, and I think so many times we see needs around us, and whether it be children or adults, and we think, well, somebody needs to do something about it, and that really only affects them. That doesn't affect me, per se, and my and my world, and we, we kind of isolate our bubbles that we live in. Can you kind of address just the issue of how this really is affecting our society and our communities? I mean, we are not – there are so many ripple effects to this that if we can't sit back and go, well, somebody will do something about it, or that's just too bad for them. That um, You know, we've even heard sometimes, you know, there will always be issues of sex. It's gone on from the days of time where men have raped and abused women, and that's just going to be a part of life. And that just, it just is horrendous thinking, but we've actually heard that said before. So can you just address just the ripple effects, how we really can't be silent on this? Well, it affects the society, and, you know, it's like uh, the issue of clergy abuse, which is something I've dealt with for a lot longer. In a society, when I go in and I help somebody who's a survivor of clergy abuse, one of the first things I, I can do is help them to learn that it didn't affect just you. It affected your family, first of all, and your immediate family. Then it also affects the families in the church. Then it affects the families in the community because often it's hidden because, well, these things are private or this can't happen with a a man of God. Well, when you hide it and that same person perpetrates a crime against a community, it comes to light years later, 20 years later, 30 years later, or something like that, which is often the case, all the people that were not affected directly by that perpetrator, then become affected in their faith, in their religion, in their thought life, and they challenge everything that they learn from that person or that priest or that pastor or whoever was doing the abusing when that comes information comes out. So then you've multiplied the effect. The same is true with child abuse. When you have friendships developed and you have a perspective of a family or, say, a politician, and you think this politician is doing a great job and you trust them, and and maybe that person is, but they have another life where they're abusing their children. And this comes to light later on or abusing their wife or something like that. Your whole concept of who that person is changes, and that affects you socially within that community. So it's like reading about the rise of the crime of human trafficking in the United States, that it being the number one crime in our country today. 
most people are unaware of that. Mm-hmm. And yet when, when they read about it happening, you know, coming in from other countries, uh, they don't hear the flip side of that, of the human trafficking going out of our country to other countries. And, and it's like, well, that can't happen here. Well, it does, and it happens in uh, every part of our community, every part of our country. There are areas where they learn about it for the first time, and they get staggered by the numbers that we report. And we're talking hundreds of thousands of people being human in human trafficking uh, on a daily basis. And, and until it affects them directly, they, for the most part, ignore it. And they think it's not my responsibility to be observant. Mm-hmm. And that's why I appreciate something like your show today and what you've been talking about, that, you know, we need to be observant. Yeah. We need to be especially, especially I, you know, I don't want to put this on women, <laughs> but especially the ladies, the women, the mothers of our society, they are the most uh, out there around children, uh, whether going, to, you know, at school or picking them up or at home or in the neighborhood, uh, taking their children to soccer games or whatever it may be. They are the most out there, and they can be the most observant. And I would rather be uh, known as a nosy neighbor who stops an issue of child abuse than to one who finds out about it afterwards and feels shame that I didn't speak up. Or I, did, I saw something, but I didn't say anything. I kept quiet because, uh, you know, I'm not going to get involved. Mm-hmm. We need people involved in this. It's like the issue of right now one of the parts of sex abuse that's on the rise is adult males having sex with infants. Uh, That's not something you can hide uh, easily, but obviously it is because it's on the rise and not a whole lot's being done about it. Well, and you know what? People don't want to believe it's possible. I'm going to stop you right there, Pastor Mike, because we have literally seconds left and. We just want to thank you, and I'm so sorry we have to cut it so short, but they can find you on our website, and we just appreciate that you are using your voice um, and standing up against injustice and saying, no more, um, we can do something about it. So we just want to encourage all of you out there listening today, get involved, listen, and go make a difference. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriend It, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the show to 